Let's just breathe that in. All of it. Oh, so grateful for, thank you, Robert, for our devotional and how essential that is for us, individually and collectively. Good morning, heart and soul. Good morning. So we continue on our adventure in faith. And in my own way, I'm kind of leading the pack. I hadn't realized that my Sunday message could be a part of the adventure in faith as I kind of experience it unfolding. So if you were with us last week in any way, shape, or form, you know that there was a moment that I got caught up and just realized that this was a multiple-part talk that last week was. And so I'm going to do my best to to give you another part. And we're going to just see what, how much continuity. Thank you. Somebody said we're ready. Good. So, yeah, let me just get to it then. So our adventure in faith, our guide is literally a book entitled Guidance for a Spiritual Journey. And can I just say, if you're already reading it, there's nothing for you to do but say amen. Amen that Dr. Dan is deep. And so he is offering us the depth of this philosophy in a very practical way. I have often thought of religious science, which is what we study, practice, and endeavor to practice at the deepest levels, as practical Christianity, as, as a way of of looking to, looking deep within, what's a better way to say this? Do sometimes when you close one eye, do you see things a little clearer that you're looking at? Do you, you, you know what I mean? You, where you just have to sometimes close that one eye and just, but well, this is a one eye closed. Focus on the master teacher, Yeshua's work that the world ultimately came to call Jesus, this is just kind of a one-eye closed peep right into it to see if we can't unlock the teaching in a way that transforms our lives. There'll be no points for memorization. There'll be no points for random quotes. The points... And there are no points, by the way, but if there were any, they would only be assigned for living one's life in a transformed way. Living one's life in a way that offered evidence that you knew something about the master teacher and what was taught. And sometimes... Okay, let me just say that this is nothing about to talk. I'm just kind of out here without, <laughs> without a net right now, so just, just roll with me as best you can. That even when we see in Scripture that there can in some editions, some translations be quotation marks or red lettering, There's absolutely no way for any person to know or any group of people to know that specifically. 
But that can't stop us because there still is truth embedded. Here's the thing. Truth cannot be hidden. Truth with a capital T. We have seen across lifetimes the attempt to um, cloak the truth. And in time, it's been revealed. And time hasn't revealed it. Humanity has revealed it. As they, as they shift their energy, their energetic presence, to a vibration at the level of which the truth must be revealed. Does that make sense? There's a vibrational level, and we are all vibration. Our very beings are vibratory. So we are energy. And when, when we channel, when we focus, when we apply our energy in a way that allows the truth to be revealed, we first of all have to establish that we're willing, that we're willing to know. Now, that just, that's, that like covers a whole group of people they have to, they have to lead a party because they're not willing to know. And that's not criticism. There's not a one of us who hasn't been there where we didn't want to know the truth. Y'all heard Jack Nicholson? You can't handle the truth. You can't have, there's been a moment for each of us where the truth was before us and we're like, mm, I'm not trying to know that truth. I can't know that. And hopefully, sometime later, we what came to ourselves in a prodigal son and daughter kind of way, that we came to ourselves to a place of a willingness, like, okay, that truth that I was rejecting, that truth that I was like, okay, you better get on away from me, truth. I'm now willing. I'm now open to hear, to sense, to embrace, to interact with. Does that make sense? So this is kind of our, apparently our prelude. <laughs> Evidently, I don't know what the... You know, it lets me get here, and then it's, uh, it's a whole other thing that ain't no note, ain't no slide to support, none of that. So, look, look, here's, here's, here's what I think the thing is right now, is that in all of this, in our preparation, part of why we come together in community is because we recognize that there is power in the heightened vibration. So in my own little meditative state and place at home, I, have, I, I am creating, I am expanding, I am in the divine vibration, and I am experiencing that. Aha, but when I come together with kindred spirits, and we are likewise in a similar vibration, we can feel it. Why do you think folks are attracted to churches when they're not even listening to the message? When they leave. And, and we're not mad about that. Minister, I'm not mad about that at all. I don't care why people come. Because I know there is value no matter what. I swear to you, it does not matter to me. It could be that it's too cold to sit in a car right now. Wait while I wait for whoever really wanted to be here. So I'm just going to come in here and sit in the back and it'll be all right. That's reason enough. Or 
that I accidentally came here. I didn't realize that that's what y'all were doing in here. That's all right, too. Any reason at all is fine. Often, when people would leave and, you know, uh, back in the day when I would be greeting folks and they would say, oh, your message, and that sometimes I would make the mistake of saying, really, what touched you? And we'd just kind of be there having a moment. And I'd be, it's all right, though. It's all right, because even if you're not aware, there's something, because you cannot sit in, you, it's impossible to, to be in, you, no, it's not impossible, because you can absolutely be in resistance, in such resistance that you, you've been there, you know when you just acting like you don't see the people, you don't hear the, the, the message, you don't hear the, you don't feel the, none of that are you available to. But with just a grain, a mustard seed size of willingness, something is happening and you are not required to be aware of it. So today, so today what could happen for anyone willing? You know, today is the Lunar New Year. And I only say that so you can use it in a way that you might want to. You know what I'm saying? So somebody hearing Lunar New Year, oh, that means I'll just start again. Well, whatever it means to you, this could be, sometimes you just have to make up points in time and be like, oh my goodness, Lunar New Year, that means I can begin again. Because that resolution I made on January 1, I'm not sure I remember all of it right now. You know, I, I would get to it if I could only recall exactly what I wrote. And furthermore, went up at that paper. So sometimes by the, what is today, the 20th or so, 22nd. By the 22nd, we are just totally removed from that, well, look, you get, here's your do-over. You got the Lunar New Year now. Come on with that. Yes? Yes, so look. This idea of whatever it is that is up for us, we have an opportunity to engage all of our sensibilities. You see, we are the place, the space where the work happens, where the shift happens. If there's going to be a transformation, it begins within us. So look, the, the invitation today is to engage, to hone our receptivity, our connection with our intuition and our ability to get to um, engage our sensory perception in a beneficial way. When we watch the horror movies, you know, before anything happens, the music tells you. And it's not designed to tell you, it's designed to get you into the groove of that. We're going to have to do that in our own lives. Set up whatever is required. Get our own little theme music that we can hear. So what I'm saying is you're going to have to begin hearing now. <laughs> Just when I said that, this is not a mental health challenge opportunity here. This is where you, in conscious intention, 
decide that you are going to hear what helps you. You are going to see what benefits you. You are going to sense what shifts your energetic field in a way that lightens your load. Does this make sense? So you're not trying to change the people in the family. On the job or in the neighborhood. You are instead managing your own self. Yes. So each of us have, I, I got this visual in my mind several weeks ago and tried to outpicture it on a slide so that we could see that the opportunity for us is to engage our sensibility, our sense of hearing, our, our sense of feeling, our sense of, of uh, seeing and hearing and feeling. And where we are not adept at that, that we imagine. We're going to spend some time. I'm going to declare this quarter. My life right now has an interesting opportunity. It's an opportunity that is cracking open my heart and rewiring it. So I mention that in the context because I was going to make a promise that during the first quarter we'd be doing some work around imagination that when I started to say that looked like, felt like um, a workshop. It felt like a session that we could do, like an intensive around imagination. And just as I started, Spirit just reminded me that I'm already in an intensive and that it might behoove me to pace myself. So I'm committed to doing it, and I don't yet know when I'll be able to do that. Allow me to say it that way. It's important for us to do it because I want our community to be adept at imagining our highest good. If not you, who? And you see, for all of our prayers for the nation and the world, for peace and for health and well-being for others, if we cannot effectively imagine it for ourselves, and when I say imagine, I really don't just mean the act of imagining, I mean the evidence that you have. Does, does that make sense? So, show enough, you imagined it. If you're doing that the way I'm thinking about it and speaking of it, you won't have to tell us you imagine that because we would see the evidence of your imagination in your living. Heart and soul, 15 years ago, did not exist in any physical form. Now, when I looked through, I'm a, you know, I'm a note vision, imagination person. So when I find 
When I go back and look at various notes and tablets of ideas and sketches of, of what would be, I was shocked how, I, and in fact, when we first started the work required to bring heart and soul into the business aspect that centered, well, it was then United Church of Religious Science required, I was shocked to find so many of the details that that work had been done in me that was just imagining that I didn't have a conscious thought or awareness that I would be doing it. I was simply catching the vision that existed and making notes about it. Yeah. So, this notion then of honing our imagination so that we can see beyond what is. Does it make sense to you how important it is to see beyond what is? Allow me to simply say what is has already been seen. So, in order for you to have beneficial sight beyond just recognizing what already is, the real work is seeing beyond, seeing what is coming into being, seeing what can come into being because the stage, if you will, has been set. We're going to, I'm going I'm to get to that later, Lord, I hope so. This idea that came to me is that our behavior, and this requires some behavior, it's not all just in the mind, it's some action, is really behalf. We are being what we have. We are behaving as if. That's okay, think about it. Think about it. So look, I shared with you last week this axiom that as you make your bed, so must you lie in it. And many of us have believed that. Many of us have believed that whatever it is that we found ourselves in, and we recognize that it's of our own choosing, our own doing, that we are at cause that we have agency in our lives and that whatever this situation, circumstance is that we're taking issue with or that we find troubling, that this is a part of our own agency, that this is that we have the locus of control in this, that, that this has our fingerprints on it. And so sometimes if you're like, I still have, I still have a bit of this. I don't have as much as I used to be consumed with this, that it was all my fault, that it was like my fingerprints were on everything, and that I really did believe that the way I'd made my bed that, well, you see, it, I'm going to say it out loud, the punishment for that. I didn't know to this moment that I believed in the punishment. The punishment for having believed that, done that, created that, is that I'm just going to have to stay in it. Lord, I'm glad I don't believe that anymore. 
And you know we're not talking about beds, for real. That we're not really talking about having made a bed. We're talking about having created our lives in ways that we are willing to suffer and suffer and suffer. Now, <laughs> sometimes we're a little pissed off when others not suffering. Because we know they did that. You know, in reviewing their personal record. The personal record that we keep on other people. Oh, y'all going, is anybody here going to try to pretend like they don't have a personal record on other people? All right. Long as I, I just want to get to a baseline of truth telling. Just a baseline. It's not even high. Just a baseline of truth telling. So when we look at the personal record that we're holding for others, sometimes we're a little pissed that they're not suffering. Because we know what they did. Or what they tried to do. Or what they should have done. We know all that. Or we think we do. And so this Lunar New Year, we can let that go. We can allow everybody to get up out of that bed. We can be the man at the pool, by the pool, at Bethesda. And we can get up. It don't matter how long we've been there, how rough it's been, it doesn't matter whatever our story is about that. The directive is to get up and go. And in this case, I'm going to say, given we're looking at the bed metaphor, just leave the bed. Just leave it and go. Make the shift, yes? So look, Dr. Daniel L. Morgan, who is the author of Guidance for a Spiritual Journey, offers us, feed your faith and your doubts will starve to death. And I love the way y'all resonate with that. And I want to make sure we lock it in. So I'm going to say to remind you that if you feed your fears and your doubts, you'll starve your faith. Now, not to death, because there's no way to kill it. But you still will be withholding from it, withdrawing from it what is required because you will need you need this is about faith so look i have been presenting to you for the past few weeks this new scripture that i found on lifetime tv i think it is i'm not sure what channel it is because i see it streaming your six my 600 pound life and I have, you know, first I just brought it to you as television and an opportunity to discern the work of a practitioner, of someone who sees, recognizes how life gets to be the way it is and is willing to speak that in a way that it can make a difference for others who are going through something. So since I've been watching it and using it as the metaphor for the work that we're doing, together, it occurred to me that it is in its own way scripture. It is beneficial to our living 
if we are understanding it in the way that I'm suggesting. So what I'm offering you today is just a little quick peek at two brothers, the Bolton brothers, David, who was 35 at the time of this, and he weighed 747 pounds, and Benji, who was 32, weighed 582 pounds when they first started their weight loss journeys. And you can see here in the photos that they both lost a lot of weight so that they ended up, David ended up at 218, and uh, Benji ended up at 386. And what struck me is while I was doing some of my prep, I just had it on in the background. And what I realized and have realized since I first, and I first saw it by kind of by accident, you know, just somehow it was on, and then I was struck by the underlying teaching the opportunity to discern what we can see. Sometimes as humans, we can see something for another and realize, oh my goodness. You know, like in coming to America, that ain't nothing but an altar perm. We, in our own mind, we can immediately discern that this is familiar to me. I'm not 600 pounds, but I'm carrying 600 pounds. You know, I only weigh possibly in the perfect zone for my height and age and everything, but I'm still carrying 600 pounds of mess, of doubts, of fears, of criticism and self-flagellation of all of the stuff. Yes? Yes. So just like, just like the Bolton brothers... Many of them, because you can imagine, at that weight, they were embarrassed to be out. They saw people laughing, and anybody laughing, they got to be laughing at me. Whether you saw me or not, if you're laughing, I'm in, because I have such shame and such guilt, and I am fear-filled. So this is on in the background, and I hear these words. I'm not stuck anymore. Everything is a possibility now. Now, I don't recall which brother said it, but it was before they started losing any weight. Where am I drop mic at? Look, this, I was a lassie moment. It's like, what? I literally grabbed the remote. Like, what you talking about? And I wanted to make sure they hadn't like fast forwarded to the, and here they sat, bigger than anyone I've ever seen. I'm not stuck anymore. Everything is a possibility now. This is why our sensory perception is so important. Because nothing had changed in the room but his mind and his heart. Nothing else had changed. But his awareness, is this making sense? We all are living a 600-pound life on some level, having nothing to do with the scale, having everything to do with what we're carrying and how that is. You see, their story that they would tell in brief is that as children, they were allowed to eat whatever they wanted as a treat. You see, 
So be, that treat got to be the whole life. It became the, the, their fulfillment. It became what they kind of needed to feel good. And it was the way that they bonded together as adults as well. And over the course of one year, the older brother lost 361 pounds and the younger brother lost 365 pounds. You know, I want to just say right here that there's the 12-step program, and one of our fully engaged Heart and Soul members recently celebrated 30 years clean and free. Now, what I know is that there are members who have more years in than that, and there are members who have fewer and are working it out. And, but this just happened, so it was on my mind in the context of this. And it reminded me that the 12-step programs, because there are a variety of them, offer a lifeline. They offer a lifeline for change and for illuminating that same idea of everything can be different now. Everything can be different now. Now, you're going to have to do the work, but it also represents that you do not have to lie in the bed that you made years ago. You do not have to suffer in, quote, the mistakes, the errors Thank God, yes indeed, that you can literally rise up and out of that bed. And what 12-step does for you is it also establishes the village of support and spiritual guidance for your life-transforming adventure in faith, because it all is. So look, we need each other. We need each other. I know some of us don't want to. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just, you don't want to need nobody. You, I got this. I don't need anybody. Don't call and check on me. Don't, uh. And still we need each other. That is the truth. And it, somehow I feel like I need to, to just establish that that, doesn't, that that doesn't mean we get to unload our personal responsibility for our lives on others. It simply means we're all in this together. Well, no, it's not that simple, but it does mean that. We're all in this together. And a part of this to me is Dr. Dan says, I have to have enough faith. And this is true for all of us. That, that starting point for whatever the change is, for even asking for the prayer, is that I have to have enough faith. Can you, can you see how that works? That, and, and sometimes in a group environment, what I have noticed is that 
sometimes folks ask for prayer, ask for support, but they don't believe. And sometimes they are so kind of fixated in that state that they'll even acknowledge that they inadvertently. I mean, I haven't had anybody come and ask for prayer who just said, I don't believe it. But if you listen with, remember I was saying how we develop our hearing? If you listen and you're developing your sight in a way, you realize that they don't believe it. But you see, that's the beginning. I ain't mad about that. This is not a criticism. It's just an awareness. Because I should say to you, just so that it's clear, they don't yet believe. The challenge is that it requires belief. So they're just at the beginning. They're just at the beginning. And being at the beginning is okay because that tends to be kind of where it starts. I'm looking at the little clock thing. (laughs) Thank you just so that we can help each other out. (laughs) Yeah, y'all need to know they have to clock me. They really do. So we're developing our sensibility. So look, I love the way that the universe, the world, uh, common culture is supporting us in what we need to uh, give in and offering us some tools. It used to be that, you know, long ago that this could appear for many to be a very lonely path because all the world was offering up was um, different ideas that did not collaborate well, did not work well, did not blend well with this philosophy that is one of oneness. Oh, but a Weight Watchers has come to a new awareness. So last week I shared a couple of those. This week I got another because they just, they have more. And so I'm going to bring you what they have as long as, because what struck me was what? Weight Watchers? What? On the commercial? Really? So you know that the, um, what, what did we have? The first one we had was the love-hate relationship with and you just fill in the blank because we all have some of those that we could release (coughs) pardon me the other one was guilt was the release of guilt this one is negative self-talk so here you see the clerk and the customer comes up with a you, you see the huge bag there and the customer says hi is it possible to return this negative self-talk Some of y'all are wondering, where do I go to do that? Because for sure, I want to return it. I want to get rid of that. I want to be free of it, yes? So is it possible to return this negative self-talk? The clerk says, did you get it from here? (laughs) And the customer says, no, I'm pretty sure I picked it up on social media. But let's not blame social media. Just fill in the blank. I'm pretty sure I picked it up in my family of origin. No, I'm pretty sure I picked it up, you know, as a kid on the school ground when I was overweight or when I stuttered in my case or whatever it was. You see what I'm saying? So where'd you get it is the question. And so here the person is in touch with this sense of from whence it has come for them. The clerk says, let me guess. It says, now now you see her, she's kind of feeling the bag for what's in here. 
her little sensory perception. And she says, let me guess, I shouldn't eat carbs. I don't deserve dessert. So you fill in for you. What's in that bag? What's in that negative self-talk that you want to return, that you're willing to let go of right now? We can use this. Weight Watchers has, has offered us a little something that we can work into our devotional work. Yes? So what is it that is in your self-talk? So the customer then says, how do you know? How do you know that that would be what's in mine? And the clerk says, lots of people are returning these. They're very unpopular. <laughs> I love that. Can that not be instructive for us? That we could choose to imagine that there's a place to take it. Now, in the old church, we'd say, put it on the altar. But you see, even then, we're using our imaginations. Because folks did not come up with wagon loads of anything. They simply brought their consciousness to the altar. So that's what we're doing here. We're returning it. And if taking it to the altar is not comfortable, because somebody is thinking right now, well, what is that exactly? What does that mean? And I'm not, that's not the point. It's a metaphor for what? Get rid of it. Let it go. So whenever you take it, wherever you release it is not the point. The point is that you are valued. You are valuable and you do not need to carry it around with you anymore and be at the effect of it. Yes? <clears throat> <clears throat> Pardon me. So we're letting go of our negative self-talk. In guidance for a spiritual journey, last Saturday, on the 14th, this is part of what I had last week that I never got to, Dr. Dan has written about what is faith. And I feel like we can't miss this. <clears throat> Pardon me. This is going to need to be a two-parter too because, because he says, faith is not a single step. Sometimes we, we feel like we're in or we're out. There's, it's not. It's not a thing. He says, it is rather a series of steps toward a definite objective. He says, faith is a complete trust in God, in the living one, the strong one, and a complete trust in the things that you already believe. Now look, I'm going to have to pull over and park here for just a little while. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said, turn, just go ahead, put it in park, turn the motor off, put, push this back, the, the seat back. Oh, Lord, this idea of a complete trust in the things you already believe. Some of us need to really get clear about this. Because my sense is that up until now, some of us have used faith to try to override what we really believe.
but they go together. They go together. I thought, oh, Dr. Dan, you're going to make them work today. Whatever day you finally get to this. Because this idea is that each and every one of us has a belief about everything in our lives. Now, it may not be a belief that you're ever going to say out loud. But we do hold beliefs about so much. So our faith is in conjunction with that. Our faith, like triple charges, our beliefs. Our existing belief. A new belief doesn't just charge up, doesn't suddenly appear when we declare we have faith. Because what we have faith in is whatever it is we believe. And I know I've shared with you, you know, because this was decades ago when it happened, of me being on BART. And realizing I had more faith in BART than I had in some other priorities in my life. And that was a real awakening for me. Because I knew I didn't know whoever was driving the bar train. I didn't know nothing about the track. I didn't, hadn't seen the maintenance schedule. I didn't know any of that, but I had absolute faith. All I did was get my little self on there and get seated. Go on, Bart, do it. So where else in my life am I trusting so completely that all I have to do is bring me, get me dressed, and show up? Anybody have a court hearing coming up? Are you... So, do you see what I'm saying? Are you as confident about the divine unfoldment as you are about your transportation there. Get in the car, start it up, move through traffic, not concerned, barely giving it the full attention even that deserves. Because you got faith in whatever it is you got faith in. And then you get to the court or to the hospital or to the school or where y'all going? <laughs> Wherever the locale is. And you get there and you're terrified of the outcome. Saying practice that same faith. See, none of us has to learn to have faith. Anybody not been on BART? Okay. Then we all in the BART faith club. And if you've gone, thank you very much for the reminder. If you have taken BART to San Francisco, you have been in a tube under the water. Talk to me now about your faith. So you have it. It's the application of it. It's the engagement of it where we show up terrified of what could happen, and some of us are way too well-versed in outcomes that we're not interested in experiencing. But we've never considered any of those enough to keep us from under the bay in a metal tube or from driving a car in California in the rain. 
Now, there's, you can drive a car in the snow in Buffalo, but if it drizzles here in California, now all you little non-native Californians, you already got your head going because you know it's true about us. Native California, if it drizzles, you need to put on a life preserver if you're driving in California. If it drizzles, because you know we are just, ooh. I'm saying, Dr. Dan says that faith is an extension of our belief. So you see, I need to just drop this and then I'm going to close. But I'm going to drop a lug right here. If you don't believe you're worthy, you're going to have faith in your unworthiness. Because faith is an extension of your belief. This is why this work that we are doing at the top of this year is so essential because we're cleaning up our energetic field. We're cleaning up our energetic field so that we can be, so that we can do, so that we can have in alignment with our heart's desire. See, the Bolton brothers, regardless of of, you know, what they ate. They, that was the 600-pound brothers. Regardless of what they ate and how much they, activity and all the things and the doctor and ultimately the surgery and so forth, what happened first, though, was somebody changed their mind. Somebody changed their mind. You see, and there's nothing that happens in your life or mine that you are going to celebrate that didn't first happen at the level of mind. And I'm going to add heart. It's a feel, my, I call it my heart mind because I feel it. I don't just think it, which is just the mental vibration of it. I feel it. And of course, I'm touching my chest, but that's not where you feel, you know what I mean? It's not the heart, the muscle. Because we use even that as a metaphor for the feeling aspect of our being. Faith is an extension of our belief. So, I'm going to see how, oh, Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. Um, mm. Nope. This is where we are. So, look. The shift must start in mind. And here's what you need to know, that even though I shared with you how powerful it is to do it in community, it all begins with one. It all begins with one. It's about the power of one. Part of the lyric for the song says, what if it all depended on me to change the world? What if it all depended on me to change the world? It's not a rhetorical question because it does. It does. Your world won't change. For you. you. You see what I'm saying? Because the world is, all, it's all, life is always changing. 
but this is how you can be sitting next to someone, be in relationship with someone, and y'all are having divergent experiences. One sees this as horrible and offensive and all of the things that they perceive about it, and you see something else. And it's because it all begins with one. It's what you believe. And your faith is an extension of what you believe. The power of one. And so I just invite you to join me in our closing prayer. We're in an attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving for all that has happened and all that has been said and all that has been realized, all that has come to mind and heart. I just give thanks. I know and I know that I know that there is one power. It's the living one, the strong one. It's God, Jehovah, by any name. It's the all in all the creator of all, the source of all. I know that right now I am, we are breathing the breath of the living one, the strong one. And the living one, the strong one, is breathing us. That we are living the life of the living one, the strong one. And the living one, the strong one, is living us. That there is no separation. We are one in God. And so right where we are right now, I declare that something quite magnificent is unfolding here. That out of our choice to engage our faith, the same faith that we have used in any transport anywhere, when we have boarded a plane, when we have gotten on a train, when we've gotten in a car, and when we've gotten on BART to ride through the bay, that we engage that level of faith in our relationships, in our health and well-being in our prosperity and an abundance of all things good, that whatever it is that is unfolding, that is rising up, that is expressing in our life experience, that we know that our faith is an extension of our belief. So we believe rightly. We believe that right where we are, the whole perfect and complete nature of the divine is and is unfolding in and as us in the most magnificent and beneficial ways. Oh, I'm giving thanks that right now someone is choosing healing, that someone is choosing a divine revelation, that each and every one of us are choosing for our highest and best, and for this I am grateful. Oh, I just give thanks. I give thanks for this realization, for this awareness, for the support of this community, for all of the circles and the way that everything's come, everything comes together, that all of us are served. I give thanks for the power of one and for the way that we execute it. 
for the way that we demonstrate it, for the way that we embrace it in self and each other. Oh, it is an absolute perfect gratitude that I simply release this word, that I know and I know that I know that it's so, that I accept that this word cannot possibly return void, but it must go ahead of me to produce in like kind. I know that this is done and done well in God, and so I simply let it be, sealing it for eternity by saying, Ashe, Amen, and so it is. Love truly does matter.